Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm going to have a wonderful show. I have it planned for you. I've been working on it. Rosie's been working on it. We've got Guy Talk going to happen. I've upgraded the panel. I've got Tyra McLuhan joining us today. What do you mean upgraded the I panel? I said I upgraded it. Ouch. Well, you took that personally. He jumped all over me, Tom Brock. <laughs> I'm glad you put me first. I know. I did put you first. I've got Tom Parrish. He's uh, in Dallas, Texas, and he's calling in. Tom, welcome. Good to be with you, Bill. It'll be good to Tom and everybody. Yeah, look at this. We've got an international team today. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then our two, Jay Warner Wallace, is going to be with me. So it's going to be a great day, great show. So let me, wow. know what, let me know what your questions are. Send them over to 877-933-2484. So, Tiger, I haven't talked to you in a while. Tell me what's going on in your world. Well, you know, we're just hoping to find the new normal. I'm yeah. still searching for whatever the new normal is, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I've been vaccinated and uh, moving in that direction and feeling a little bit more freed up. So yeah. that's been good. Yeah. As far as working with uh, your ministry with youth workers, what are some of the some of the the new uh, issues that they're dealing with? Well, I think I think that's exactly how I'm hearing churches and youth workers uh, knowing that there's a, a new normal down the road. It's we can now believe we can see it but we aren't quite there yet you know if they're finishing the school year with this some in some out some trying some in-person things and so there's just kind of optimism at the same time i'm real tired yeah i get uh, yeah just tired i get that tom parish how's your trip to dallas it's been exceptional got to go to dv plaza and just explore the book depository and I think I was in eighth grade when John Kennedy was assassinated. So this was a powerful moment for both myself and my wife, along with our kids. And I enjoyed being down here and seeing our grandkids. So we're nice. having a good time. You also sound like you're in the bottom of a pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to get off your speaker if you're on holding it up to a speakerphone. Put it up to your ear and we'll be much better off. Yeah, I will take care of that. Thank you so much. All right, I'm waiting for some uh, questions to come in, but to get things started, I've got a couple of my own. Uh, well, there what? we go. You usually do. I know I do. <laughs> I know. When you think of um, Luke sixteen fifteen, it says, what does it mean that God knows your heart? <laughs> I got an answer to that. I figured you do, Tom Brock. <laughs> Fire away. Sometimes people will say, oh, yeah, but Tom, God knows your heart. <laughs> yeah. And my response is, I know, that's the problem. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it says in Jeremiah, the human heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? But the good news is, it says in the New Testament, our hearts are washed by faith in Christ. So, yeah, I do have this evil heart I was born with, but by the grace of God, it's getting washed and getting cleaned up. And when I stumble or whatever, I ask for the blood of Christ to wash my heart again and get back up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of when people says, God knows your heart. <laughs> that's never <laughs> yeah. been a comfort. Never. 
Well, yeah, I think people want to use that phrase to kind of say, but you had good intentions. You're trying to be a nice person. Um, but as I understand, and the Bible talks about knowing your heart, it's beyond this idea of good intentions. It's like it said in Jeremiah, that it's our inner being. It's it's where we really reside. God knows that. And uh, and so it isn't a trite kind of, oh, I know you did your best, and you're a nice person, and pat you on the head. God knows your heart using it that way. Uh, I think um, it's that. He knows our heart, and we're in trouble, and that's where grace comes in, and, and I'm grateful for grace. I love it. Yeah, I'm with you guys. There's absolutely no question. He knows everything that's in our heart. Yep. He still loves us, but he calls us to be honest about what's in our heart, and even when we know him, uh, we now have a choice to make, whether we're going to let the old nature prevail or we're going to let Jesus reign through us. Mm-hmm. And, you yep. know, I, w- I was driving to this studio today, and I was listening to your news, the uh, KTIS 900 AM news. Okay. And it said that three senators proposed having a bill to prevent children, people under 21, from getting sex change operations. They won't allow it to come to the floor. And talk about the human heart being desperately sick. So that was my example of that today. Mm. All right. Well, here's my problem with my human heart. Not only is it desperately sick, and I agree, but I can deceive myself with it. I can believe I'm doing what's right or that I'm being moral or that I'm doing what's really good for others, when in reality, I'm fooling myself. It's only when I see through the eyes of Jesus that I begin to see the truth. And in that truth, then, I can make good judgments. Nicely said, Tom Parrish. Thank you. All right, let's uh, shift to what the Bible says about motives. The Bible says a lot about motives. We can say that uh, we think our way is pure, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And I think of some of the negative uh, human being uh, motives like uh, pride or anger or revenge or entitlement or a desire for approval. These can all be catalysts for um, (laughs) bad motives. All right, that brought the conversation <laughs> to a grinding halt. That brought the house yeah. down there. Oh, yeah. So maybe I should ask a more specific question. I mean, uh, would you be willing to do something uh, if no one ever knew you were doing it, if it came to giving or serving or sacrificing? Um, and if, you know, if there's no visible payoff, would you still do it? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's when you get into the to motives and, and well-intentioned people. Let's I mean, I would want people to be a little more honest. We all, um, since we're this side of heaven and we have mixed, we have that, that heart that's a problem. Let's, we have mixed motives. I mean, even when I'm wanting to do something for the purest of motives, there's a, there's a sliver or part or hunk, depending on my perspective right there, that maybe wants people to notice and people to like it and people to like me. And we all have a people pleaser tendency, um, well, unless we're IRS auditors, um, but most of us. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us, uh, you know, have that side. So I, I, I think the issue for me is to, to keep coming back to God to help him cleanse and, and get rid of that mixed motives as much as possible, um, even though it's imperfect. And I I don't always get there, but I think motives are a good thing for us to be honest about. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. The the Sometimes you, you talk to someone and they're so 
afraid of maybe having bad motives, so therefore maybe I shouldn't do this good thing. And right. you just, you just got to say, you know, we've all got bad motives mixed with good. Do it anyway. And pray for forgiveness for bad motives. But uh, like Tiger just said, pray about your motives, look at them. But don't let bad motives keep you from doing the right thing. Because yeah, right. we've, always, we've always got good mixed with bad motives this side of heaven. When I look around our culture, even in the church, what I'm seeing is this. People's motives are driven oftentimes by peer pressure, by what society is doing, by where they uh, look good in the eyes of others. I think Christian maturity is coming to that point, and nobody's arrived, but I'm working toward it, as I know you guys are. Christian maturity is coming to that point that the only person that really needs to know what I'm doing is Jesus. The -hmm. rest of them, whether they know it or not, is not going to influence whether I go ahead with this or I don't do it. And those are the kind of leaders we need in Christianity and, quite frankly, in government that will stand for the truth no matter the cost because they only have one audience to serve, and his name is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that's the ideal. And then inside of that, we trip over our mixed motives sometimes. Of course. Yeah, nicely said. (laughs) Yeah. All right, here's a question from a smart listener named Jeff. He said, uh... Why would Satan wage war against God unless he thought he had a chance of winning? That's actually a very interesting question. Yeah, well, stupidity knows no limits, let's be honest. Uh, and I don't think that Satan, as bright as he is, uh, still is stupid. Because most of the problems in my life, guys, have come out of my stupidity. I think I can do something, or I think I know something, when I really haven't done the research. And I think Satan is the same way. He thinks he can defeat the Lord and... Let's face it, it's gone on for quite a long time since Jesus uh, rose from the dead. I think he still thinks he's got a shot at it. But we know the end of the story, and I have no fears. I think, too, I would say we kind of assume Satan is omniscient, that he knows everything, like God does, right, knows everything. Right. The Bible never says that. It says, now Satan put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray the Christ. Would Satan have done that knowing the cross would result in the salvation of the world? I kind of don't think so. So even though Satan's got supernatural knowledge and in some ways is smart, in the ultimate way he's dumb because he's going to spend eternity in hell, you know. Yeah. I always think of Satan as kind of like when I was dating in junior high when I started to date. I was incredibly (laughs) confident and incredibly naive at the same time. Oh, that's not. That's the first time I've seen uh, Satan compared to a junior high boy dating. That's good. And I got to tell you, Tiger, you've been around a lot of junior high boys, so I, I know that's why it's so dang funny to me. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a hilarious metaphor. <laughs> oh. All right, I've got another question. I'm going to direct this one to Tom Brock to get things started because of his interest in uh, pottery. What what should we learn from the symbolism of the potter and clay in the Bible? Mm. Well, it's in, the, it's in the Old and the New Testament. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's shop and breaks, the, or the potter breaks the thing and then remolds it. I think that's right. And then the point being God can do the same to us. Uh, the big one is the big predestination chapter of Romans 9, where God can take a lump of clay and make something glorious out of it, and he can make it also for menial use, teaching that God has the right to save whom he wills. He has mercy on whom he wills, 
and he hardens whom he wills, you'll say to me, then why do you, why does God still find fault? Nobody can resist his will. And Paul's answer is don't pack, talk back to God. The potter has the right. It's his clay. He can do what he wants. I know that raises all kinds of tough issues that are beyond me, but that's what it says. <laughs> well, yeah, the Lord's going to make what he wants to make. Now, you do pottery. I do woodworking, so I use the lathe quite a bit. And I put a block of wood on that lathe and started spinning. I have an idea what I want to do, but in the end, I'm the only one that's going to determine what that looks like. And it's not the piece of wood talking back to me and saying, I don't like this. Shape me a little differently. I get to make the final choice, and I think that's the problem most of us have. The Lord created us. He's the potter. We're the clay. He can do with us what he wants to. And our goal is to conform to what he wants, not to what we want. Uh, You guys are losing me. Tiger, are you uh, good at doing anything like Pottery or carpentry or anything? I'm glad you gave me some some options. Are you good at anything, Tiger? That's really good. (laughs) Why don't I take a break? We'll give you a chance to think about all of it. Uh, Let me know if you've got a question. I'm I'm just uh, in charge of getting the questions out to these guys. 877-933-2484. Tom Parrish, Tom Brock, Tiger McLuhan are my power panel today. We'll be right back. about scripture memorization is the, the speed at which God will prompt verses into your mind. So mm-hmm. years ago, I memorized Psalm 103, and verse 6 has popped into my head a thousand times lately where it says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. I like that. You know, one of the things, Bill, I want to kind of back this up with is that I've had the privilege of being with a lot of people at the moment they die. I have been amazed at how many of them will come out of a coma quoting a scripture verse. Wow. It is just astounding to see that happen. And these are people who have been in comas for 24 hours, 48, 72, and yet oftentimes, or I will start it, a scripture verse, and they will finish it. And then they have passed away in my presence. So what you're saying is exactly right, and uh, what you're talking about from the psalm is true. The Lord cares for everyone. He loves us all dearly. Uh, the problem is, are we going to love him back and do what he's commanded us to do? Yeah. I also most of the way we take care of each other isn't the way we do what he says. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I also yeah. know I need to love my neighbor as myself. The Bible's pretty clear about that. Um, so the enemy has one strategy, and that is to take what God says and reverse it, you know, counterfeit the yeah. truth. So am I going to love my neighbor? Will I ever oppress my neighbor? Will I, um, will I be yeah. unrighteous and oppressive to anybody? Well, our our human condition is it's possible. And, you know, Psalm 103, 6, you know, God works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. That's a great promise verse that, again, this side of heaven, um, many, many people are struggling with right now. I mean, uh, they're not seeing justice and they're struggling with the human side of oppression and, and people not loving their neighbor and whether it be police or all the issues going on right now. It's huge, and um, I'm 
I'm just becoming more and more aware of how um, that is a great promise verse that um, right now, I think if you quoted that to some people, uh, they wouldn't be close to that with their own experience. Yeah, true. Well, uh, let me add something to that, Tiger, because you're exactly right. Let's go one step further. Most people don't even know what the truth is. Therefore, they can't really determine what justice is either. And if they don't have a basis of justice that's objective and outside of just human conditioning, you can always find a problem with what somebody else does, or somebody can find that it's right. The problem goes back to the church. We have gone way too silent in proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. Therefore, all these groups are rising up in the culture, and they're the ones defining the truth. Hang on, Tom Brock. We're getting some... That's Tom Perry. Tom I, I want you to hang on, too. Hang on too. <laughs> if Tom Brock doesn't, Tom talk, Brock doesn't talk. So, <laughs> yeah, Tom, I'm going to bring you down because I'm getting reverb in my own mic. I love technology. Yeah. All right. I think that's better. All right. Now, Tom, can continue. I don't know what we were talking no, no, no. about. I know. I wanted you not to talk. <laughs> and I wanted Tom Parrish to turn down his, his uh, cell phone. There we go. Now, Tom Parrish, try continue talking. All I was saying there you go. is that there's no basis for truth for 90% of the people in our culture. It is, it, it is simply, uh, you know, what pragmatic. We need objective truth that's based on the Word of God. And the problem is the church, over the last 50 years, the church has been more influenced by the culture than the other way around. All right. All right. Tom, we're going to have to Tom, reconnect, have to with, reconnect you. with you. So you hang up so and we'll call you back. We'll call you back. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Now we'll get him back. Now we'll get him back. Okay. Um, Still getting reverb in my own. (laughs) Maybe it's Tiger. Is it me? I don't know, Tiger. No, I don't think so. You you, uh, you never came. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I I think righteousness and justice, and and I I agree with Tom. Yes, the church has been silent in many respects, and, and there is some objective truth. But in the human relationships right now, we're just seeing a, a... uh, many people who who are wrestling with what does justice look like, what does righteousness look like, what does loving your neighbor look like, and 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 um, I can be afraid that the t- that the world's going to answer that, but I just think that we need to step up and really start asking that hard question. Each individual follower of Jesus, as well as collectively we as a church, and uh, and we have been silent about oppression. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, we got we got three white guys on the on the panel with a, with a white guy host, and <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, and so we, we can have some words to say about it, but we we just don't live it. And um, whether we want to, you know, fight the word white privilege or whatever, I and I don't need to get. I mean, I don't know enough to to lead the conversation, but I'm telling you, my my youngest daughter is uh, is Korean, and uh, she um, has a son who is half Korean and half. African-American and half Native American, and she lives it. And I'm being schooled these last number of years uh, over things that I take for granted that she's helping me realize painfully, by the way, that um, I've been slow to the slow to the mat on this one. Mm-hmm. All right. Here another question came in from a listener. Uh, if we, if when we are in heaven, how can we not have sorrow and weeping if we are cognizant of our loved ones not there? 
That's one I've had many times with a listener. I've had that thought many times. Yeah. If I if well, I remember right, St. Augustine writing in what, the 400s, I think he said this, that we hmm. will so understand things properly in heaven that yes. we will see that it was right for things to be exactly as they are, mm-hmm. for people to be where they're at. And so we might not have the, what we would have now as human grief for eternity because we'll understand things then. Well, what does Paul say? We see in a mirror dimly. Then we'll see face to face. When we have the mind of Jesus at the end of time or when we're in the eternity, things will make sense. We may not, you know, the Lord grieves over the lost. I mean, that's in Scripture. And we may have a grief, but we'll have a godly grief, not a human grief. I like that. Um, I, I do, but it doesn't it doesn't solve it to me. No, I mean it, 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 it won't solve it, it here. It, it's yeah, I know, and, it, and I don't think we. It's one of those we may not be able to solve, but I think there are a lot of people that have that question. And yeah, I, I guess to me, on it, this just my reaction. I, those two answers jumped to thirty thousand foot theological answers that that uh, I don't know if the listener is going to go. Oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Well, if you want I, and I don't know what would. Yeah. yeah. If I was going to get practical with somebody who's carrying out a grief, I would say, look, you're going to have some measure of this in your life no matter what. You know, when, when I, I've mentioned this before, when my first grandson was killed 18 years ago, I, for the first year, the grief was overwhelming to me. I couldn't hardly preach. I couldn't hardly teach whatever else. But then some people came along and said, as badly as you hurt, you know, strive as much to get the mind of Jesus in this thing and to forgive and to step forward. And, you know, it's now 18 years later. It's still a twinge in my heart when it comes up. But I no longer hold the the bitterness, the anger that I did. And Mm -hmm. it's because I've spent 18 years trying to pursue how does Jesus look at this and what does Jesus ultimately want and what do I really ultimately believe in? And I Mm -hmm. I think it's good to say this side of heaven it's good for us to grieve for our lost loved ones. I mean, Paul says in Romans, I have unceasing sorrow in my heart for the sake of my brothers, my Jewish brothers. I would, could wish that I myself were accursed if that would save them. And so Paul had a heart that was broken and grieving for his lost loved ones. I think that's good if we have that down here. Now, I think when we get to heaven, I do think things will be different, but there you go. All right. Uh, politics invading sports. Like it, don't like it. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> this will be short. What well, do you mean by politics? Well, it seems that uh, there's more and more athletes and even professional teams needing to weigh in on issues of the day. And to me, there was always that uh, separation that sports had from the world. That was something you could work a 40-hour week and go home and have some dinner and sit down and keep your mind completely free of the world's troubles by watching a game. And so right. what's what's the sports network that gave I don't know. Bruce Jenner I don't the know. Courage Award for becoming a woman? I, it, it, what's the main uh, sports? ESPN. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was a magazine that, that nominated her, him, as Woman of the Year. Yeah. And she had transitioned for seven months. Yeah. And woman of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, to me, that's that's a different issue because that's a media issue. Yeah, not, that's true. Because I understand sports. I'm watching sports. Again, I would I would just throw this out for four white guys. Those many of the people who are doing that are people of color who have lived oppression and lived 
lack of justice yeah. in their world or the or their the world in which they travel, and for them not to address it just because they're athletes yep. would for them feel incongruous right. to who they are. All right, we got to jump. We'll be right back after the break with lots more guide talk. Tom, Tom, and Tiger, the power panel. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Guide Talk. Let me know what your questions are. Send them over, 877-933-2484. We've got uh, a number of very qualified people here willing to take your questions. Tom Paris, Tom Brock, Tiger McLuhan is the power panel today. I'm all very glad to have them with me today. So again, 877-933-2484. Do you guys feel bugged by the expression, real man? Well, I'm glad you asked me that there, yeah. Bill. Why'd you use the deep voice on me, Tom? Because <laughs> this, this is my weightlifter voice. Yeah, you sound like some bad pro wrestler right now. <laughs> I don't have an opinion on that. Okay. Tell me, Tom. Uh, no, nobody has called me that, so I don't have <laughs> So you're I off the hook, my friend. That for me, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm off, I'm off the hook, so, um, you know, I, I think they're, they may have an agenda to that. I'm not quite sure what it is, but no, I... Yeah, do you, I don't hear it much. Yeah, do you think masculinity has been more attacked in the last ten or fifteen years, and are men more or less accountable uh, today than they were ten or fifteen years ago? I think it's been under attack for about forty years. Okay, and I don't think anything is wrong with the husband leading in the marriage the way I think God designed things. But good luck saying that somewhere without getting a pie in the face. But yeah, I think the biblical definition of male and female has been horribly under attack for about 40 years. Well, again, you know, we go back to what I said before. We've lost the truth in this culture. You know, we try, and we're now trying to say that babies that are born are neither male nor female, but they can make up their mind later on. And when we start throwing this other stuff around about masculinity, yeah, there are some real jerks out there. There are some guys that do some really stupid things. But there are also women that do very stupid things, and it's been a problem since creation. What we need to do is help people find the truth, justice that's proper, and to do it in a way that gives life to everybody. And like Tiger was talking earlier with the the black community and the justices there, I am all for a very open forum where we can honestly talk about these issues. What I don't want to be told is that I've got to shut up because I'm a Christian and because I'm white. That right. subtracts humanity from the equation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for me, the issue of uh, attacking masculinity, certainly culture is re- redefining everything in ways that is not typical at all. Um, right. You asked a second question about uh, have, have men become needed or been challenged to be more accountable. And I, I guess I would have to say I agree. I think. I think uh, men have, and, and I'm not against yeah, women makes, we all sin. But if you make sweeping judgments, um, men have needed to be accountable to some things and behaviors and attitudes uh, that, you know, probably weren't healthy either in the family. They they were, they may be leading, but they weren't leading by, like Jesus led, which wasn't all about power, which is the more 
20, 30 years ago, definition of masculinity was about power, you know, mutually submissive, loving, uh, gentle when needed to be, et cetera. That, I think that more accountability has been a positive thing. Uh, unfortunately, it's just been mixed in with so many other unhealthy messages that we kind of want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think accountability is a good thing. And, you know, Bill, you said something a couple months ago that I thought I made up. And then you said it, it came out of your mouth, which was, in the 1950s, there was a TV show called Father Knows Best. Mm -hmm. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, most of the sitcoms were Father Doesn't Know Anything. Mm -hmm. And today, the sitcoms are Who Needs a Father? That's true. So Mm -hmm. I think we've gone under a really bad transformation. Yeah, um, men, men need to be accountable as well. True. But I think um, we've abandoned the biblical roles of male and female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Romans twelve twenty one says, overcome evil with good. What does overcome evil with good mean? How do I do that? Well, it's exactly what we're talking about right here. Whether the four of us or others that believe in Jesus are going to be silent and not speak up in the culture or not speak up publicly or allow things to go on to women or to men or to children that are wrong, and just be silent about it. We have to bring the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the last time I heard, guys, I didn't hear Jesus speak out of the sky and say, that's wrong, don't do that. He still speaks through people, through his word, and we're the ones that have to be willing to stand up and, like Tiger said, be held accountable. And I want to be held accountable by you guys when I speak to make sure that what I'm saying is biblical and we're in agreement to it. Yeah, I think that overcome word is a is a you know kind of a almost a battle issue. Of, of, mm-hmm. There is evil. We we have to be diligent followers of Jesus that that do our best in our personal life, in our in our self motives we talked about, as well as in the world in which we live, in the culture in which we live, in the families that we overcome. We do battle with the evil with the good that Jesus is trying to instill in us and help us to become good. That, can live that out in the real world and overcome evil. I think it's a battle issue. I think it's a battle too. And if I can share this, <laughs> I just had COVID for like 18 days. Worst mm. worst 18 days, I think, of my life. And, wow. and it was bad enough that I was praying, God, please take me home. But you know what? I, I mean, I like a lot of people, I, I battle evil thoughts mm-hmm. for about 17 days. I don't think I had one evil thought, and I don't think I'm exaggerating much. Now they're back, and I'm healed, <laughs> and, I bat- and I have to battle them, but I think you're right. Overcoming evil with good is a battle, and yeah. what I learned, suffering can really help in that battle. Not that I'm praying for it, but you know, suffering, as much as we don't like it, can purify us. So, Yeah, no, that's right. Um, and, and sometimes in the church, when we talk about suffering, we want to make it dramatic. It has to be huge. And my definition of the gap of suffering is the gap between what you wish life would have handed you and what life has actually handed mm-hmm. you. And at that moment, right. you're in a gap, and either Jesus is going to meet you there, or bitterness is going to take over, or whatever. And that, that's another battle zone, that, that gap of suffering when we... We're wishing for one thing, and we get another. And I think that's you're right, Don. That suffering can help clarify some things in us because we you get down to brass tacks when you're in that gap. Mm-hmm. One of the things I just was teaching on not long ago is that most people I know, even non-Christians, really want a Jesus as their savior. 
but very few of them want him as their Lord. And the Lord is the one that gives the commands. And I was just looking up before we got on air, there are 1,050 commands in the New Testament, and, you know, and many of them are from Jesus. We really, in Christianity, stay away from the hard commands because we want people to come to church and to leave and be happy and feel good and have a better marriage. But the reality is, how do we engage the enemy if we don't even know what Jesus is telling us to do? And that's what we need one another. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we I've, uh, I talk about too many people want grace to be the umbrella they're sitting under on the beach and they don't do anything with it. They just uh, relish, you know, oh, isn't it great? God loves me. I'm a, I'm a child of God. That, and that's a great message. But to me, the Bible is more of a grace is the launching pad into a whole new life uh, filled with this battle of overcoming evil with good and being the person He's designed me to be. I'd rather I'd rather have grace be a projectile forward rather than laying around being lazy. Although I kind of like being lazy. Once in a while. <laughs> I saw I saw that one coming from Cleveland. <laughs> I'm in Dallas. I saw it, too. Yeah. Uh, rim, rim shot. I'm for sure. I wish I had a rim shot here. All right. Psalm, Psalm 24, in verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So let's talk about good stewardship versus acting like it's our earth, and without our control, it's in trouble. First, let me just say that's a great verse. I love the earth verse. is the Lord's and everything in it. I mean, it's all God's, um, and and that's a great thing to just start and appreciate and and relish that this is uh, this is God's creation. And then I think it does raise that question, uh, Bill. What do we do with it? How do we? Yeah. How do we? How do we love it? How do we respond to it? How do we take care of it and and not let politics um, define our view of that, but actually. Um, God's view of if this really is his creation, what what are we supposed to do with it? And is a is a hymn coming to anybody's mind? Sing it, Tom. <laughs> this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong. God is the ruler yet. What have I got a parrot in this thing? What's going on here? One of our cell phone friends are causing trouble on reverb. So. Yeah, I'm not sure who it is, but uh, it's probably most likely Tom Parrish. I'm guessing. Mm. I'm guessing. So, um, you know, I think we'll take an early break and give him a chance to reconnect. We'll be right back. Let me know what your questions are, 877-933-2484. Or if you feel like emailing me, you can do that, Bill, at MyFaithRadio.com. Power panel is Tom Parrish, Tom Brock, and Tiger McLuhan. We'll be right back. exceptional panel today i must say i must say um, I, well thank you sir yeah. um this idea of the earth is the lord i'll just pick up on that yeah, you know thanks. i mean part of me is just sitting here looking i i happen to through a lot of the blessings um I, I live on a lake and it's one thing to say you know it's i, I want to take care of the lake but it that's a that's a gift it's amazing when i look out there and i i think 
we don't just, we, you know, taking care of the Lord, overcoming evil with good, all of these things are that we've been talking about today, we can't just have good intentions and say, you know, okay, that's a great verse, I believe that it's all God's, and then just do nothing. There, It comes down right. to this thing about the, you know, somebody mentioned the commands, I mean, it, it it's more than good intentions, it's what is it going to look like? Um, and I know that that's where the hard work comes, and that's where the questions come of what does that really look like? Nicely said, Tiger. Right. No. Tom Parrish, were you going to say something? Well, if it's my phone that keeps doing this, I will hang up and let you guys finish and rejoice in what you say. It's me. It's me. Well, we don't know who it is. Because I'm hearing myself get feedback. feedback. All right, Tom, maybe you've dropped out. Tiger, you're still with us, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Sweet. I just got a message from Hi to Tiger from Mary Rose up in the Duluth area. What a, what a blast from the past. Good to hear your voice. That, that is a blast from the past. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. one, of the benefits, one of the benefits of uh, being in ministry a long time and youth ministry is watching, you know, my relationship over years. So another question came in. Now it's me. Now it's me. Oh, it's you. I don't you think blame, so. You blame Tom, and, and now it's not, it's not him. I don't know what to think. I'm not hearing any echo. Okay. Well, I am. Yeah, Tom and I. Stuart, we're gone. here. Now okay, it's now it's gone. All right. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Here's a question that came in. I'm not sure uh, how to even ask this. My spouse, My spouse consults with a professing, a professing Christian, Christian who does angel readings. Yeah. Tiger, you, if you would hang up, we'll see if it goes away. Oh, it might be me. Okay. might be you. We'll hang up. You call me back or you want me to call you? Uh, we'll call you back. Okay. Yeah, we'll call you back. All right. Now we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is like the, who just got voted off the island next. <laughs> Donnie, you and me, Tom. Uh-oh. Now all it's gone. Uh-oh. It was Tiger. Yeah, we're not calling you back, Tiger, if you're listening. All right, sorry about that. All right, uh, Tom, Tom Brock, do you know anything about angel readings? Is that- I think there's some New Age people that have co-opted angels. Okay. And angels are our spirit guides. Okay. Uh, no, they aren't. We're not supposed to pray to angels. We're not supposed to talk to angels. So I think that's a new age thing. Okay. Yeah. It said that my spouse consults with a professing Christian who does angel readings. This bothers me because of what the Bible says about similar things. Mm-hmm. Can there be an angel reader who is a Christian? It's kind of like Jean Dixon. Do you remember her? Yeah, I remember her. She was a very famous psychic who claimed to be a Christian. And only the Lord can make that judgment. But she was deeply into, I think, seances, talking to the dead, etc. The Bible says it's an abomination to try to talk to the dead. So I, I if I was this woman, I'd be nervous too. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, do you pray um, as equally when things are good as when they are bad? I think I pray more when they're bad. Yeah. Tell me about your prayer life when you were suffering with COVID and you thought you were going to pass on. Oh. It was so awful. Were you more desperate in your prayer than uh, ever before? It, it was like I almost couldn't pray. I was in such agony that it was like, I mean, I remember a dear Christian woman who had a horrible bout with lupus for many years. And I remember her saying to me, there's some days I can't pray. All I can say is 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom Parrish might have rejoined I'm, us. I'm trying again. Yeah. Well, I think it might, <laughs> might have been Tiger. <laughs> so anyway, oh, nice to have you sure. back. Good to be back. Yeah, the question was, um, I'll ask you as well, do you pray equally when things are good versus when things are bad? Um, no, but I try to pray a lot. I mean, I'm praying all through the day and talking to the Lord constantly, but in terms of intense prayer or prayer where I would uh, really focus on a particular topic for a long time, usually a crisis produces that. Most of the time, it's just a running conversation about, Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. Help me to understand what I'm doing. So there's a prayer, but it's not much of an in-depth prayer. Hmm. Anything else? I wish it was. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I think we just have to. I had a pastor who, when, when I introduced an hour a day praying uh, in my one church, hey, older pastor, he said, "I've tried, I tried, I can't pray for an hour a day." I said, "Well, what do you do?" I said, "He says, well, I talk with the Lord when I go walking." I said, "How long you walk? An hour and a half." And at that point, I kind of calmed down and realized he's still talking to the Lord, and for me, that's what matters. Hmm. I like that. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Does that verse change how you live every day, every hour? It certainly should. Yeah, what it does for me, and and I'm I'm one of these very realistic Christians. Uh, (laughs) Christians die in plane crashes. Christians get cancer and die. I have watched people die in my arms. I've also seen people healed. What it tells me is that no matter what comes my way, the Lord is still in charge. The Lord will still have the final word. This life is not it, and Jesus is risen from the dead, and I can still rejoice even if I die. And to believe that even in your most suffering moments, God can use you more maybe than ever in those suffering moments. I mean, if I can share this, when I had that COVID battle Mm -hmm. recently, I have loved ones that I'm not sure where they're at spiritually, and they've heard the gospel from me, and I don't think they want to hear it anymore. So I have wondered, what am I going to do when I go into their deathbed? Am I going to bring Jesus up or not? Because they've heard it. They don't want to hear it. And so when I was going through that suffering, I thought maybe I was dying And God gave me the clarity of mind to write them a message, basically saying, I may not be here much longer. I want to see you in heaven. You need Christ to be saved. I hope you get in a good biblical church. I gave them some Bible verses. And then I hesitated. Do I push the send button or not to these family and friends of mine? And it was hard to do it. But then I thought, why not? And I hit the button and I sent it out. And it was like, now a second time. They've all heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be a little more not nervous if I don't bring it up at the deathbed because they've heard it more than once from me. But there was the only, there was the bright spot in that miserable two and a half weeks. I wouldn't have done that had I not been on death's doorstep. So I think that even when we're suffering, that's when God can use us the most. Well, of course. Well, that's when we pay the most attention, Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm hurting, I'm paying attention to the Lord. When things are going well, I have a tendency to let things around me get my attention. So, yeah, pain is bad. Suffering is bad. I don't like it. I've gone through plenty of it. 
But on the other hand, it's usually those moments that draw me closest to Jesus. Mm-hmm. JC wants to know about uh, holes in the floor of heaven. Is that a biblical or a Hollywood invention, the notion that deceased relatives are watching over you? I, I, I don't see any evidence in the Bible of that. Yeah. If there is, I would like to know the scripture verse. What I see is the Lord's watching over us, and he sends his angels as he desires to to protect and to guide us, but nothing about our relatives that I've ever seen. Some people use the verse in Hebrews, and I don't think it's legit, but that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, sure. But I don't think that means people in heaven can see us on earth. I just think it means, you know, we've come in a long line of, of martyrs, etc. But right. A, a rich man goes to heaven, talking about the pavement of heaven. Mm-hmm. Rich man goes to heaven, and he, he wants to take his gold up. And finally, after arguing, the, uh, the angel says, okay, you can take your gold up. And he takes the gold up to the gates of heaven, and there's St. Peter. And, and St. Peter looks at him and says, why did you bring pavement up here? <laughs> but bum bum Yeah. So another one I saw coming from Cleveland. <laughs> well, you're a comedian. This is your uh, job. Man, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Tiger wants to know if he was fired. No, clearly you weren't fired, Tiger. If you're listening, no, no. we love you. It was your phone, Tiger. It was making reverberations. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 90% of the things that we fear never come true. And that 10% that does come true usually gives us the opportunity to experience a wonderful growth in our emotional and spiritual development. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Does that sound, uh, those statistics sound reasonable? It does. So why do we spend so much time uh, fearing things that will never come Uh, true? uh What's wrong with us? Yeah, it's just crazy. Well, Ang- anxiety well, is crazy. I, 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 go ahead, Tom. Doesn't it go back to this inborn, you know, sinful nature where we want to be God? Don't we want to have the final word in everything? And worrying about what's around us. I mean, I'd like to know what's coming at me before it hits me. And that's the problem. I don't see what's coming at me, but I still worry about it. That's where my faith comes in, because I'm going to trust that Jesus sees it long before I do. And if it hits me, it's for a good reason. And, you know, if I can tell a quick story, I'm shaking hands at the door once at my church. Out comes a sweet Christian elderly couple. And Ralph says, yeah, Tom, after church today, I'm going to the lodge. I thought, ouch, the lodge, which is masonry. And that's a non-Christian group. Christians should not be part of the Masons. And and he left, and I'm thinking, okay, do I have to confront him? I didn't want to confront him. And I, you know, I think I struggled for about two weeks. And finally, I picked up the phone. I called his wife, and yeah, I guess I need to talk to to Ralph about being part of the Masons. And she said, Masons. I said, yeah, you know, he's to the lodge. And I, she said. Sons of Norway. <laughs> and I worried, I worried for two weeks about something that wasn't even kind of true. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, and, and there's a saying, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I have learned if I got to confront something, I obviously didn't learn at that time. But if I got to confront something, how about doing it now rather than waiting two weeks? Good point. Yeah. All right. Let me circle. Yeah. Let me circle back to the question about real men. Can I do that? Sure, little buddy. Right, here, here we go with the voice. All right, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, be watchful, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Mm-hmm. So what does that act like men mean? 
Well, men created in the image of God. There you go. That we stand for the truth. We stand for righteousness. We stand for the gospel. We sacrifice ourselves on behalf of others. We try to do everything in our life that Jesus has already done for us. Hmm. Very well. Very well said. Tom Brock, you got anything? Well, dare I say this? No, probably don't. Well, I think on. it's okay. No, uh, you know, a lot of the we Bible... We were so close to being the, to the end of the show. Don't the, do this to me. All right, I'll be quiet. Thank you so much. All right, we've only got Now a everybody wants to know what's on oh, his me, mind. Trust me, they don't. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that we're so close to uh, the end of our time, so I didn't want to get started on something no, that we're going to run you out of time. Right, quite right. Because we're, we're down to a minute. And you I, have this, I won't say sixth sense, Bill, but you, well, could, you could tell I was biting my tongue. <laughs> that, that's okay. I'll continue to bite it. Yeah, and Tiger just sent me a note saying, Bummer, and I got you to blame Tom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, Tom, I guess, I don't know what happened with our phones today. But anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, Bill. And being part of Guide Talk. always. Uh, thank you so much, and that uh, is wrapping up this time. We're going to have another amazing hour coming up next. Jay Warner Wallace, the coldcasechristianity.com. You can head to his website now and do a little preemptive homework on him. He is a, a former Los Angeles detective, cold case homicide a guy who is now an incredible apologist, and you're not going to want to miss the next hour. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.